Our scripture reading comes out of the book of Luke. Luke 10, and it starts at verse 21, and it goes right up into 37. Luke 10, 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that, that see what you see. For I tell you that my many prophets and kings want to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. The parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, He took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. These are the words of the Lord. Our text this morning is the uh, summary of the law that the uh, expert in the law gives in verse 27, where he reminds us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and he adds with all our mind. It's, it's either or, sometimes both, sometimes just strength, sometimes mind. 
And then he adds, love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 27 of Luke 10. People of God, every year as we begin a new year, I like to uh, have us look at a gospel. And so if you think back over the years, we've looked at a gospel. Generally, January, February, into March, we take one of the four gospels and we focus in on the life of Jesus. We've just celebrated his birth, Jesus, a Christ candle born among us. So now, now we want to look at his life his ministry, his words, his actions. And so this year, we're going to take Luke's gospel. And we're going to reflect on things in Luke's gospel that are really unique to Luke. The four gospels, very similar in many ways. But then there are things that are are unique to each gospel. And so In Luke especially, we're going to be looking at some of those particular passages that you only find in Luke. It turns out that in Luke, Jesus is is pictured uh, most often in in many unique passages, uh, fellowshipping, eating with people. And so there are accounts in Luke that you don't find in any of the other Gospels, where he goes to someone's home and he eats with them and he goes over here and he shares a meal with them. And, and so in Luke, it's, it's striking. If you read the Gospels, if you compare them, uh, in Luke, Jesus is always out eating with people. It's, it's really quite striking. And so we are going to look at that aspect of, of hospitality, of, of meals in Jesus' ministry, and how he uses meals to, to build fellowship and faith so that as he is eating and drinking with people, he speaks of things of faith into their life. And that's such a, a, a blessed way of, of sharing also our life and our faith. And so we want to also be encouraged in that as we go forward in the new year, to to be hospitable to one another, to meet people over coffee or a meal, as Jesus did, and to minister together and to one another. So, So that'll be some of the flow of the services over the next couple of weeks. Today we are going to get just a little background in how, how that all comes about. And we are going to come back to our theme for the year, which we began in September, the words of Deuteronomy, 4, uh, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, where, where we looked to that uh, phrase that's called the Shema, the, the, the Jewish phrase, Faith statement. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And we started in September looking at that phrase and thinking about how that phrase uh, directed our lives. We have banner, which, which has it before us here as well, the call to love the Lord our God. And we looked at how Ezekiel, as an Old Testament person of faith, lived that out. And, and, and if you recall, we, we saw how he had a vision of, of God's greatness, God's strength, God's heart, God's soul, that, that 
big vision, first of all, of who God is. And out of, out of our seeing who God is, his greatness, then Ezekiel lets that truth guide his speaking. And so he always tries to speak words that, that show who God is and express his love. And so, so Ezekiel doesn't just talk all the time. He's in fact uh, struck dumb. He can't speak unless God speaks through him. And so we were reminded too, if we want to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength, we have to be careful how we speak, what we say. And so we want to do that. Also in his actions, Ezekiel, uh, the book of Ezekiel, many unusual actions, and we looked at some of those. But that, that in our actions, in what we do, in how we act towards others, that we do that out of the love of God with all our heart and soul and strength. Now, Ezekiel said these words every day, every single day. It was, it was the, the routine in the life of the Jewish people who were serious about their faith, serious about following God, they would say this phrase every day to remind themselves that they needed to live their lives before God and that in living out their faith with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength to do everything to the honor, to the glory of God. Now many others, many others said this phrase. And this morning, I want to assure you that Joseph, Joseph who took Mary to be his wife, said this phrase every day. Because we read in Matthew 1 verse 19, Joseph was a righteous man. He was a tzaddik in the Hebrew. He, he seriously strived to follow God every day. And so he would begin his day in a time of fellowship, meditation, worship, and he would say that he was going to try to live with his whole heart, with all his soul, with all his strength for the Lord every day. So that's an aspect of the Christmas story. Very likely, his wife Mary said it with him. You could say it together. That our goal every day, every page, like Anne said, is to love our God with all our heart, with all our soul, all our strength. It was a family focus. It was a faith focus. Which also means that as Jesus grew, he heard in the home Every day, these words. As Mary and Joseph were teaching their son, and that he would also come to join them and say, I want to serve my God, my Father, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. That, 
that centering, that focus was clearly there. And we want to continue to make it our focus as we go forward into the new year. And so I would invite you this morning to say it with me again as we begin the new year together, seeking to live our lives for God. Please join me in saying together, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Very nice. Thank you. You've said it. Now I invite you to say it as if you mean it. Let's say it as if we really mean it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. The very words of God. This was the center. This was the focus for the day, for the year. Jesus said these words with conviction through his whole life. And he lived them out with complete dedication. In everything he said... So we can take everything he said with absolute certainty and in everything he did. And he said he was going to go to the cross, and he did. He died on the cross, his action, in response to saying in Gethsemane, not my will but yours be done, his whole life, giving himself completely, heart, soul, mind, and strength in God's plan of salvation. So our theme, our, our thought of this key verse, Jesus is the example who lived it out fully and completely. Now, knowing that, being reminded of that, then the, the first thing that I just want to highlight for you this morning, the first striking thing Jesus does with this phrase, with this key statement of faith, is he changes it. Would you ever think of changing, uh, like the national anthem, Oh Canada, Oh Canada, our home and native land. And then we would add a line. Alberta is the greatest province. We love it so much. Right? You can't do that. It's set, right? You don't change it. You don't add things to it. It's the statement, the statement of our nation. It's our song. You don't change it. At an even greater level, the statement of the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, love him. We say that with conviction. We don't change that. You don't change that. And even the Apostles' Creed, which we said this morning, is a creed from 
the very early, early church from even just the first 100 years. And then they, they summarized the Bible and all that Jesus had done, all that God had done. And, and you don't change that. People have tried. Say, so we'll add something. No, you don't add anything. This is the statement, the Apostles' Creed, the statement of faith that the church has held to. Jesus changes the great statement of faith. He adds something to it. And it's not completely new. He takes another phrase from the Bible, but he adds really somewhat of an insignificant phrase. In Leviticus 19, in Leviticus 19, there's a passage. uh, It's quite similar uh, in the book of Leviticus to God's law. And so if you compare the, there's a, a God's law in Exodus and Deuteronomy, and then also in Leviticus 19, and, and it has similarities. Leviticus 19, verse 3, uh, each of you must respect your mother and father, and you must observe the Sabbath day. So that's there. Uh, verse 11, do not steal, do not lie, do not s- deceive one another. Uh, verse 13, do not defraud your neighbor or rob them. Uh, so so it, it has aspects of the law, and then it has this in verse 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is the only place where that phrase appears. Jesus takes that phrase and he adds it to the great statement of faith. Why does he do that? When Jesus says this great statement of faith, in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus says, we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And again in Gospel of Mark, he says in Mark 12, 29 and following, Jesus himself is saying, love the Lord your God, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And, lo-. and people must have wondered, why, why is he adding that? He adds that. And then here in our text from Luke 10. Jesus is in a discussion with an expert in the law about faith and eternal life. And Jesus gets the expert in the law to respond. And this expert in the law is actually the one who says the words in Luke 10, 27. It says he answered uh, when Jesus asked him too about, about things of, of faith and life and the center. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So he knows that this is how Jesus is presenting things. This is key. This is a vital part of a living faith that loves God above all, with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength. There is a vital connection to loving your neighbor that wasn't there right away. It wasn't there at all for a long time. But now is made central again. And so in Romans 13, our call to worship has that. When we read it this morning as the call to worship, Romans 13, 8 to 10, 
You fulfill the law by loving your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5 and James 2 also. We live out our love for God in showing love to our neighbor. That is an astonishing emphasis. It's not normal for most people. It's not what most people said every day. So Jesus makes this change. It's striking. It's shocking. But he adds the story to drive home this point that he is making. That love for God works itself out in various ways, but also clearly, definitely, in terms of the love for our neighbor. And that has to be part of it. And so here Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. You only find the story of the Good Samaritan in the Gospel of Luke. You don't find it in Matthew, Mark, or John. It is a unique story in the Gospel of Luke. Luke 10, the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is traveling down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It is a steep road. It is a dangerous road, even just for the walking. And it is dangerous in terms of the robbers who are there. And a priest comes along and finds, uh, first of all, this man who has been robbed. And is laying there. And this man is, is, is definitely, definitely very, very seriously wounded. And so the thought is that the man might even look, look like he is dead. It's not like he's calling out. It's not like he's, he's, he's standing or sitting or, or crawling around. The man is, is, has been attacked by robbers, and, and he is laying there and left for dead. And a priest walks by. A priest is someone who would definitely, totally, completely love the Lord his God with all his heart and soul and strength. This is a priest. He serves in the temple and he has finished a term of service and and he is making his way back. Many of the priests did live in Jericho and then they came back to Jerusalem to serve for their two weeks and then they went back. And so he is in his his priestly work and, and thing. He knows exactly. He wants to love and serve God with all his heart, all the time. And he walks by. He walks by this man in need. And it's, it's striking. And the priests knew that they were supposed to help people in need. That was part of what they were supposed to do. But he doesn't do it. And part of the, the walking on the far side, there was an understanding in terms of the very careful observation of the law that even if your shadow, if your shadow touched a, a dead body, then you would be unclean and you would have to go through a system of ritual purity and, and you couldn't then serve in the temple. You couldn't serve God in your term again. But then he was on his way off work for a week or two. So that really, really shouldn't have applied. But in his mind, he was not, not going to risk it. And he was not going to help this person. And this person was a Jew, a Jewish person. Like a fellow Jew. Then a Levite comes by. The Levites were helpers of the priests in the temple. They had their own duties. But of all the people, if the priests were number one, the Levites were number two. 
serving God with all their heart, soul, and strength. They were busy in the temple. They were doing the sacrifice and helping with the lambs and the goats and the cattle. And they were, they were fully focused every day, all day. We are serving God. We are doing our best. They were sadiq, righteous. They were good men. And they were doing their best. They're not evil. Jesus is not saying they're evil. They just don't understand exactly what it means to serve God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And so, Jesus says, a Samaritan comes along. The Samaritans were hated by the Jews. The Samaritans had intermarried with Gentiles due to various circumstances. And they were considered by the Jews as those who did not love God properly with all their heart, soul, and strength. And so when Jesus says a Samaritan, there's immediately a, a, a shock factor to, to those who are listening. Also this, this expert in the law and, and the whole idea of those who are sadiq, those who are righteous, those who are, are trying to do this and do this well. Samaritans are not included in that group. But Jesus chooses to highlight that this person has a relationship with God. This person is, is acting out of, out of some motivation that's fuller and deeper than the priest and the Levite. So the priest and the Levite have a limited understanding. And the Samaritan understands more. And so instead of worrying that a shadow will touch the, the injured, almost dead person, he actually touches the dead person and, and cleans their wounds and, and oil and wine and, and puts them on the donkey and takes them to an end. There is a, a bit of a parallel. He does three things. With all his heart, he tends the wounds. With all his soul, he takes him to the inn. And with all his strength that he's worked to, to earn, uh, he pays for the man's care. He was a neighbor. Now, it's such a shocking story that, that there is even in relation to it the thought that that like this Jewish uh, expert in the law could just have said, well, that'll never happen. What a dumb story. That will never happen. And like Jesus' other parable, this is not a parable. Jesus is not saying, let me tell you a parable. There's even the thought that this actually did happen. That there would have been or, or was somehow in the recent history of the time there, uh, the understanding that this had actually happened. Just like, just like when Jesus heals the ten lepers and only one comes back to say thank you and it's a Samaritan, that really happened. And that, that this, this man, a Samaritan, like the woman in John 4 who comes to the well and talks to Jesus and, and responds to his offer of the water of life. So there are Samaritans who love God who actually love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength. And so Jesus talks about 
this situation. And he points out in Luke 10, 36 and 37, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law starting to get it. The one who had mercy on him. The one who had mercy. That's that's the living out of a real faith, a real walk, a real dedication to serving God. The Samaritan shows mercy to the man. There's no reason why he would, except for the fact that his knowledge of God and his love of God directs him. Jesus makes the connection between truly loving God and truly loving our neighbor. If you want to be a follower of Jesus in the new year, if you want to love him as your Lord and Savior, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, then you need to include loving your neighbor. And sometimes we too lose sight of that. We're good. We're sadiq. We, we try. We come to church. We, we, we manage things fairly well. We, we on our own, uh, yeah. But we don't really, don't really get involved so much with others or, or reach out to the neighbor in need. That can be an understanding that, that we can fall into. Oh, just as long as, as, as I'm okay. We are challenged again by Jesus to see the true love of God flows into the love of our neighbor, fellow church members or people in the community. The application, verse 37, go and do likewise. We are called to show mercy. And the reason is because the love of God has shown mercy to us. So within the story of the Good Samaritan, you have to realize this also. Jesus Christ stopped by you when you were lying on the road of life, dead in your sin. He stopped to care for you. He bandaged your wounds in his grace. And he gives you a place among his people, even here in the church. He welcomes you. He paid for your sin with his blood. So for you to truly receive what he has done, the true God, Jesus our Savior, that you would be merciful to those around you is his call on your life again in this new year to thankfully, joyfully respond with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word that continues to speak into our lives and in this new year again. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for highlighting the full, abundant truth of what you want us to do. Having seen and being aware of all that you have done for us, 
Lord, we pray that we would indeed be truly thankful for your grace, for your love, for your saving us, for your giving us hope and life and confidence and assurance as we move into this new year. We pray to you that you would help us to recognize the needs around us, that you would help us to engage where you call us to be a neighbor to those around us. Lord, we pray that as we see your love for us, that we would speak and act out your love to those around us. Lord, we pray that as we go forward in this year, we would be that kind of people and that kind of church, serving you with thankfulness and joy. Amen.